We'll begin at the beginning and stuff. In the beginning, I wasn't there. I don't think the ancient Greeks were either. Nobody really had a pen and paper to take notes, so I can't really vouch for what follows. But I can tell you it's what the Greeks thought happened. At first, there was pretty much nothing. A whole lot of nothing. The first god, if you can call it that, was chaos. A gloomy, soupy mist with all the matter in the cosmos just kind of drifting around. Here's a fact for you. Chaos literally means the gap. And we're not talking about the clothing store. Eventually, chaos got less chaotic. Maybe it got bored with being all gloomy and misty. Some of its matter collected and solidified into the earth, which unfortunately developed a living personality. This personality called herself Gaia, the Earth Mother. Now, Gaia was the actual earth. The rocks, the hills, the valley, the whole shebang. But she could also take on human-like form. She liked to walk across the earth, which I guess basically she was just kind of walking across herself. In the shape of a matronly woman with a flowing green dress, curly black hair, and a serene smile on her face. The smile hid a nasty disposition, though. You'll see that soon enough. After a long time alone, Gaia looked up into the misty nothing above herself and said, You know what would be good? A sky. I could really go for a sky. And it would be nice if he was also a handsome man that I could fall in love with. Because, you know what, I'm kind of lonely down here with just these rocks. So, either Chaos heard her and cooperated, or Gaia simply willed it to happen. Above the earth, the sky formed, a protective dome that was blue in the daytime and black at night. The sky named himself Uranus. And yeah, that's another spelling for Uranus. There's pretty much no way that you can pronounce that name without people snickering. It just sounds wrong. Why he didn't choose a better name for himself, like Deathbringer or Jose or anything else, I don't know. But it might explain why Uranus was so cranky all the time. Like Gaia, Uranus could take the human shape and visit the Earth, which was good. Because the sky is way up there, and Earth is way down here. And long-distance relationships kind of hardly ever work out. In physical form, he looked like a tall, buff guy with long, dark hair. He wore only a loincloth, and his skin changed color, sometimes blue with cloudy patterns across his muscles, sometimes dark with glimmering stars. Hey, yeah, I dreamed him up to look like that. Not me. Don't blame me. Sometimes you'll see pictures of him holding a zodiac wheel, representing all the constellations that pass through the sky over and over and over and over and over for eternity. Anyway, Uranus and Gaia got married. Happily ever after? Not exactly. Part of the problem was that chaos got a little creation happy. It thought to its misty, gloomy self, Hey, Earth and Sky, that was fun! I wonder what else I can make! So, it created all sorts of other problems, and by that I mean gods. Water collected out of the mist of chaos, pooled into the deepest part of the earth, and formed the first seas, which naturally developed a consciousness, the god Pontus. Then chaos really went nuts and thought, you know what, I know, 
how about a dome like the sky, but at the bottom of the earth? That would be awesome. So another dome came into being beneath the earth, but it was dark and musky and murky and just generally not very nice. Since it was always hidden from the light of the sky, this was Tartarus, the pit of evil. And as you can guess from the name, when he developed a godly personality, he didn't win any popularity contests. Fun fact, Tartarus is also the lowest pit of the underworld. Just keep that in mind. The problem was, both Pontus and Tartarus liked Gaia, which put some pressure on her relationship with Oranus. A bunch of other primordial gods popped up, but if I tried to name them all, we'd be here for weeks. Chaos and Tartarus had a kid together. Don't ask me how, I don't know. Called Nyx, who was the embodiment of night. Then Nyx, somehow all by herself, had a daughter named Himera, who was day. Those two never got along because they were as different as, well, you know. According to some stories, Chaos also created Eros, the god of protection and procreation. In other words, mommy gods and daddy gods having lots of little baby gods. Other stories claim Eros was the son of Aphrodite. We'll get to her later. I don't know which version is true, but I do know Gaia and Oranus started having kids with very mixed results. First, they had a batch of 12. Six girls and six boys called the Titans. These kids looked human, but they were much taller and much more powerful. You'd figure 12 kids would be enough for anybody, right? I mean, with a family that big, you've basically got your own reality TV show. Plus, once the Titans were born, things started to go sour with Oranus and Gaia's marriage. Oranus spent a lot more time hanging out in the sky. He didn't visit, he didn't help with kids, and Gaia got resentful. The two of them started fighting. As the kids grew older, Oranus would yell at them and basically act like a horrible dad. A few times, Gaia and Oranus tried patching things up. Gaia decided maybe if they had another set of kids, it would bring them closer. I know, right? Bad idea. She gave birth to triplets. The problem, these new kids defined the world ugly. They were as big and as strong as Titans, except hulking and brutish and in desperate need of body wax. Worst of all, each kid had a single eye in the middle of his forehead. Talk about a face only a mother could love. Well, Gaia did. She loved these guys. She loved them so much. She named them the Elder Cyclopes. And eventually they would spawn a whole race of other lesser Cyclopes. But that was much later. When Oranus saw the Cyclops triplets, he freaked. These cannot be my kids. They don't even look like me. Listen, they are your children, you deadbeat. Gaia screamed back. Don't you dare leave me to raise them on my own. Don't you worry, I won't, Oranus growled. He stormed back and came back. Excuse me, he stormed off and came back. I don't think he could storm back. Whatever. He stormed off and came back with thick chains made from the night sky's pure darkness. 
He bound up the Cyclopes and tossed them into Tartarus, which was the only part of creation where Ornus wouldn't have to look at them. Harsh, right? Gaius screamed and wailed, but Ornus refused to release the Cyclopes. No one else dared to oppose his orders, because by this time, he was getting a reputation as a pretty scary dude. I'm king of the universe, he bellowed. How could I not be? I am literally above everything else. I hate you, Gaia wailed. Bah, you will do as I say. I am the first and the best of the primordial gods. I was born after you, Gaia protested. You wouldn't even be here if I didn't. Don't test me, he snarled. I've got plenty more chains of darkness. As you can guess, Gaia threw a total earthquake fit, but she didn't see what else she could do. Her first kids, the Titans, were almost adults now. They felt bad for Mom. They didn't like their dad too much either. Gaia was also bad-mouthing him with good reason. But the Titans were scared of Oranus and felt helpless to stop him. I have to keep it together for the kids, Gaia thought. Maybe I should give it one more try with Oranus. She arranged a nice romantic evening, candles, roses, soft music, all that. They must have rekindled some of the old magic, because a few months later, Gaia gave birth to one more set of triplets. As if she needed more proof that her marriage to Oranus was dead, the new kids were even more monstrous than the Cyclopes. Each one had a hundred arms all around his chest like sea urchin spines, and fifty teeny tiny heads clustered on its shoulders. It didn't matter to Gaia. She loved their little faces, all hundred and fifty of them. She called the triplets the hundred-handed ones. She'd barely had time to give them names, though. When Oranus marched over, took one look at them, he snatched them from Gaia's arms. Without a word, he wrapped them in chains and tossed them into Tartarus like bags of recycling. Clearly, the Sky Dude had issues. Well, that was pretty much it for Gaia. She wailed and moaned and caused so many earthquakes that her Titan kids came running to see what was wrong. Your father is a complete beep. I don't know what she called him, but I have a feeling that that's one of the first times the cuss words were ever invented. She explained what had happened. She then raised her arms and caused the ground to rumble beneath her. She summoned the hardest substance she could find from her earthly domain, shaped it with her anger, and created the first weapon ever made. A curved iron blade, about three feet long. She fixed it to a wooden handle made from a nearby tree branch, then showed her invention to the Titans. Behold, my children, she said, the instrument of my revenge. I will call it a scythe. The Titans muttered among themselves. What is that for? Why is it curved? How do you spell scythe? One of you needs to step up, Gaia cried. Oranus isn't worthy to be king of the cosmos. One of you will kill him and take his place. The Titans looked pretty uncomfortable. So, so this, this whole killing thing. Explain, said Oceanus. He was the oldest Titan boy. But he mostly hung out in the far reaches of the sea with the primordial water god, whom he called Uncle Pontus. 
So, does it mean to kill? She wants us to exterminate our dad, Themis guessed. She was one of the smartest girls, and she was immediately the one that got the concept of punishing someone for a crime. Like, make him not exist anymore? Is that even possible? Asked her sister Ray. I thought we were all immortal. Gaia snarled in frustration. Don't be cowards. It's very simple. You take this sharp pointy blade and you cut your dad into small pieces so he can't bother us again. Whichever of you does this will be the ruler of the universe. Also, I always make those, those nice little cookies you like. The ones with the sprinkles. Now, in modern times, we have a word for this sort of behavior. We call it psychotic. Back then, however, the rules of behavior were a lot less looser. Maybe you'll feel better about your own relatives, knowing that the first family in creation was also the first dysfunctional family. The Titans started mumbling and pointing to each other like, Hey, you'd be good at killing Dad. Uh, no, I think you should do it. I'd love to kill Dad, honestly, but I've got this thing I have to do, so I'll do it, said a voice from the back. The youngest of the twelve shouldered his way forward. Cronus was smaller than his brothers and sisters. He wasn't the smartest or the strongest or the fastest, but he was the most power-hungry. I suppose when you're the youngest of twelve kids, you're always looking for ways to stand out and get noticed. The youngest Titan loved the idea of taking over the world, especially if it meant being the boss of all his siblings. The offer of cookies with sprinkles didn't hurt either. Cronus stood about nine feet tall, which was pretty runty for a titan. He didn't look as dangerous as son of his brothers, but the kid was crafty. He had already gotten the nickname the Crooked One among his siblings because he would fight dirty in their wrestling matches and was never where you expected him to be. He had his mother's smile and dark curly hair. He had his father's cruelty. When he looked at you, you could never tell if he was about to punch you or tell you a joke. Kind of like a Loki of the Greek mythology time. His beard was kind of unnerving, too. He was young for a beard, but he'd already started growing his whiskers into a single poke that jutted from his chin like the beak of a raven. When Cronus saw the scythe, his eyes gleamed. He wanted that iron blade. Alone among his siblings, he understood how much damage it could cause. And as for killing his dad, why not? Ornus barely noticed him. Neither did Gaia for that matter. His parents probably didn't even know his name. Cronus hated being ignored. He was so tired of being the smallest and wearing all those stupid Titan hand-me-downs. I'll do it, he repeated. I'll chop up dad. My favorite son. You are awesome. I knew I could count on you, uh, um, which one are you again? Kronos. He managed to keep his smile. Hey, for a scythe, cookies, and a chance to commit murder, Kronos could hide his true feelings. I would be honored to kill for you, mother. But we'll have to do it my way. First, I want you to trick Oranus into visiting you. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him it's all your fault, and you're going to cook him a nice fancy dinner to apologize just to get him here tonight and act like you still love him. Ugh, Gaia gagged. 
Are you crazy? Just pretend, Kronos insisted. Once he's in human form and sitting next to you, I'll jump out and attack him. But I'll need some help. He turned to his siblings, who were all suddenly very interested in their own feet. Look, guys, said Kronos. If this goes bad, Oranos is going to take revenge on all of us. We can't have any mistakes. I'll need four of you to hold him down and make sure he doesn't escape back into the sky before I finish killing him. The others were silent. They were probably trying to picture their shrimpy little brother Kronos taking on their huge, violent dad, and they weren't liking the odds. Oh, come on, Kronos chided. I'll do the actual slicing and dicing. Four of you just need to hold him down. When I'm king, I'll reward those four. I'll give them each a corner of the earth to rule. North, south, east, and west. One time offer. Who's with me? The girls were too wise to get involved in murder. They made their excuses and quickly left. The oldest son, Oceanus, chewed his thumb nervously. Uh, I have to get back to the sea. You know... For some uh, aquatic stuff. Sorry. That left only four of Cronus's brothers. Koyos, Iapetus, Krios, and Hyperion. Cronus smiled at them. He took the scythe from Gaia's hands, tested its point, drawing a drop of golden blood from his own finger. So, four volunteers? Nice! Iapetus cleared his throat. Uh, 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 actually, Hyperion jabbed Iapetus with his elbow. We're in, Kronos, he promised. You can count on us. Excellent, Kronos said. Which was the first time an evil genius ever said excellent. He told them the plan. That night, amazingly, Oranos showed up. He wandered into the valley where he usually met Gaia, and frowned when he saw the sumptuous dinner laid out on the table. Oh yeah, I got your note. Are you serious about making up? Absolutely! Gaia was dressed in her best green sleeveless dress. Her curly hair was braided with jewels, which were easy for her to get, you know, being the earth and all. And she smelled of roses and jasmine. She reclined on a sofa in the soft light of the candles and beckoned her husband to come closer. Ornos felt underdressed in his loincloth. He hadn't brushed his hair or anything. His nighttime skin was dark and covered with stars. But that probably didn't count as black tie for a fancy dinner. He was starting to think he should have at least brushed his teeth. Was he suspicious? I don't know. Remember, nobody in the history of the cosmos had been lured into an ambush and chopped into pieces before. He was going to be the first. Lucky guy. Also, he got lonely hanging out in the sky so much. His only company was the stars, the air guard Ether, who was, in fact, a total airhead, and Nix and Himera, mother and daughter, who argued with each other every dawn and dusk. So... Oranus's palms felt sweaty. 
He'd forgotten how beautiful Gaia could be when she wasn't all up yelling in his face. You're not angry anymore? Not at all, Gaia assured him. And, and you're okay with me wrapping our kids up in chains and throwing them into the abyss? Gaia gritted her teeth and forced a smile. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Good, he grunted. Because those little guys were ugly. Gaia patted the couch. Come sit with me, husband. Ornus grinned and lumbered over. As soon as he settled in, Cronus whispered from behind the nearest boulder. Now. His four brothers jumped out from their hiding places. Krios had disguised himself as a bush. Koyos had dug a hole for himself and covered it with branches. Hyperion had tucked himself under the couch. It was a large couch. And Yopidus was attempting to look like a tree with his arms out for branches. For some reason, it had worked. The four brothers grabbed Ornus. Each one took an arm or a leg, and they wrestled their dad to the ground, stretching him out spread eagle. Cronus emerged from the shadows. His iron scythe gleamed in the starlight. Hello, father. What is the meaning of this? Oranus bellowed. Gaia, tell them to release me. Ha! Gaia rose from her couch. You gave our children no mercy, my husband. So you deserve no mercy. Besides... Who the heck wears a loincloth to a fancy dinner? I am disgusted. Oranus struggled in vain. How dare you? I am the lord of the cosmos. Not anymore, Kronos raised the scythe. Beware! If you do this, uh... What was your name again? Kronos! If you do this, Kronos, said Oranus... I will curse you. Someday, your own children will destroy you and take your throne, just as you are doing to me. Kronos laughed. <laughs> Let them try. He brought down the scythe. It Horonus right in the... Well, you know what? I can't even say. If you're a guy, just imagine the most painful place you could possibly be hit. Yep, that's the place. Kronos chopped, and Ornus howled in pain. It was like the most disgusting, cheap-budget horror movie you can imagine. Blood was everywhere. Except, the blood of the gods is golden, and it's called Ikor. Droplets of it splattered all over the rocks, and the stuff was so powerful that later on, when no one was looking, creatures arose from the Ikor. Three hissing winged demons called the Furies, the spirits of punishment. They immediately fled into the darkness of Tartarus. Other drops of blood fell on the fertile soil, where they eventually turned into wild, but gentler creatures called nymphs and satyrs. Most of the blood just splattered on everything. Seriously, those stains were never going to come out of Kronos' shirt. Well done, brothers! Cronus grinned ear to ear, his scythe dripping gold. Iapetus got sick right on the spot. The others laughed and patted each other on the back. 
Oh, my children, Guy said. I am so proud. Cookies and punch for everyone. Before the celebration, Cronus gathered up the remains of his father in the tablecloth. Maybe because he resented his eldest brother, Oceanus, for not helping with the murder. Cronus toted the stuff to the sea and tossed it in. The blood mixed with the salty water and, well, you'll see what that came from later. Now you're going to ask, okay, so if the sky was killed, why do I look up and still see the sky? My answer, I don't really have an answer for that. But my guess is that Cronus killed Oranus' physical form, so the sky god can no longer appear on the earth and claim kingsmanship. They basically exiled him into the air. So he's not dead exactly, but now he can't do anything just be the harmless dome over the world, though. Anyway, Cronus returned to the valley, and all the titans had a party. Gaia named Cronus Lord of the Universe. She made him a cool one-of-a-kind collector's edition golden crown and everything. Cronus kept his promise and gave his four helpful brothers control over the four corners of the earth. Iapetus became the Titan of the West, Hyperion got the East, Koyos got the North, and Krios got the South. That night, Cronus lifted his glass of nectar, which was the Immortal's favorite drink. He tried for a confident smile, since kings should always look confident. Though truthfully, he was already starting to worry about Oranus' curse, that someday Cronus's own children would dispose of him. In spite of that, he yelled, My siblings a toast! We have become a golden age. And if you like lots of lying, stealing, backstabbing, and cannibalism, then read on, because it is definitely a golden age for all of that. <laughs>